Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. It has been 36 freaking years since one of the most iconic horror films in the history of our country has been released. I'm talking about none other than that Gen X classic that will live on forever that changed a genre, The Lost Boys. Yeah, you guys know The Lost Boys. If you don't know The Lost Boys, you probably heard the soundtrack on the radio. If you're a Gen Xer and you have not seen The Lost Boys, you just lost your Gen X street cred. Seriously. So there's nothing really I can say to spoil this movie. Except if you're a Gen Xer and you're a parent, pass this movie down to your freaking kids. This is one of those iconic movies that your kids have to watch, like Ferris Bueller and the freaking Goonies. Lost Boys is right up there. I remember when they were talking when the Twilight series came out. Everybody loved it. What a great... What a great I gave the first one a try. It was laughable. I'm not going to lie to you. Laughed at it. That was the worst excuse for a vampire movie I have ever seen. And like, try to make it cool in the culture. It's like, no, no, no. You don't know what a vampire, a teenage vampire movie is until you have seen The Lost Boys. So, tonight's going to be kind of a special night here at the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm actually going to be co-hosting over with Father Mahoney at Father Mahoney's House of Horrors. Not horrors, but horrors. You can find that on Rumble and on YouTube. Just go look up Father Mahoney Horror and you'll find it. We're going to start going live around 8 o'clock. We're going to review a couple of movies. I'm not going to give you spoilers of everything we're going to talk about, but I am going to talk about a little bit about the, the Lost Boys here on this show. We're going to be uh, reviewing a couple of movies. Lost Boys and Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. So a couple of little teasers that we'll talk about later. Uh, and I hope you guys will tune in. If not, I will be putting the link up on my Substack, which is cyrusalderwood.substack.com, so you guys can watch it. There's some really interesting stuff, like interesting, uh, I guess, trivia, you would say, about the Lost Boys. Um, did you know that they originally intended that film to be more like the Goonies? No kidding. And that actually, its title was taken from Peter Pan. Yeah. Who freaking knew? Rufio. No, but listen, it was really um, interesting how that particular script, when it was read by Schumacher um, and uh, as the director, how what they wrote initially became what the movie was. So there's obviously some changes. 
But this movie changed the vampire genre, no doubt about it. It put the two Corys on the map because there were nine movies total that Corey Haim and Corey Feldman did together. This was the first one. They played the Frog Brothers, and it was just, um, I guess, you know, kind of a relationship made in hell and heaven at the same time. And we got the Corys until we lost Corey Haim back in, I think it was, uh, I forgot what year it was. Um, quite sad, but anyway, uh, great stuff uh, in that movie. Did you know also, um, this this is kind of like a really interesting little tidbit about the movie. I don't know if when you watch movies, you pay attention to like subtle things in the background, especially if one director like Stanley Kubrick was notorious for this. He would put something in a, a movie that represented his last movie. Uh, a lot of people do this. Rob Reiner. Um, I don't know if you remember The Princess Bride. There was like a um, a hat from uh, This Is Spinal Tap <laughs> that was in The Princess Bride. So you'd know like, hey, you know, put the two together. Um, uh, and so it's just kind of funny, but um, Schumacher in this particular one, he had just come off of a huge hit in the eighties prior called St. Elmo's fire. So he wanted to represent St. Elmo's fire somewhere in the lost boys. It's one of those little subtle things. And if you notice, I always kind of thought it was curious that here you had this kid, Sam, right? Played by Corey Haim. Um, and on his wall was like this kind of, I don't know, sort of little sexy picture of Rob Lowe poster. Well, anyway, um, Rob Lowe, well-known from St. Elmo's Fire. Pretty interesting. But uh, there's a couple other really uh, things. I'm going to talk about the original ending of The Lost Boys real quick. And we'll get into this in the show later on. But um, for those of you who've seen it, you know the, the ending of The Lost Boys is kind of funny anyway. Grandpa comes, you know, the, you hear the horn from the truck. Grandpa crashes into the edge of his house. And, of course, this, I don't know, this uh, giant uh, stake, you know, comes flying out of the back of his truck, I guess, where he chopped wood. And it impales the the head vampire. And then this old man, he just kind of walks over to the fridge, nonchalantly, like totally cool, reaches in the refrigerator onto the shelf that no one was allowed to touch and took out one of his Dr. Peppers and took a drink. And then uttered that famous line. Of all the things I don't like about Santa Clara is all the damn vampires or something like that. One thing I couldn't stand about Santa Clara is all the damn vampires. Anyway, great, great ending. But there was actually um, a different ending that had been planned. Um, there was supposed to be like a, a post-credit scene that saw the remaining vampires look at their wounds back in that sunken hotel, right? In the caves of the sunken hotel. Um, the Lost Boys was meant to end on a shot of a mural from the early 1900s that featured Max looking exactly the same as he did in this movie. Now, that open-ended finale would have been more fitting if the Lost Boys became a series of films, but it didn't. Which would have been better, maybe is up for debate, I don't know. But uh, 
grandpa drinking a Dr. Pepper kind of cracks me up. Um, so yeah, there was certainly an alternate ending. And they actually, there was, after these vampires had died, uh, there was um, planned to be uh, a, a sequel, but like since they were all dead, it had to be, they were going to call it The Lost Girls and kind of have an all-girls uh, vampire squad, kind of like these guys. But, you know, apparently, rumor had it that there was all kinds of uh, different types of scripts floating around, and they just, they just never did it. Um, and that's okay. Um, that was, uh, it was, it was certainly, I don't know, I don't know how I would have thought if they'd have done something like that. Would it have just been cheesy to make money off of the film's name? Maybe. I think horror fans and, and especially fans of this film probably would have thought that, but we probably would have flocked out for it anyway. <laughs> but, uh, the vampires themselves, um, in the original script, it called for much, much younger vampires. In their early teens, actually, is what the original script wanted. And the Frog Brothers, as originally envisioned, were these, like, eight-year-old Cub Scout kind of chubby kids, right? And uh, the character of Star, which was played by uh, uh, Jamie Gertz, Foxy Jamie Gertz, she was a good-looking lady, um, and that was Michael's, like, obsession of the movie, uh, that character was also... Uh, in the original script, a teenage boy. Uh, so Joel Shoemaker and, uh, and the screenwriter, I think his name is Jeffrey Boehm, uh, they called on for a darker script and um, an older cast of characters. And so that was, thankfully, they called for that because I can't imagine. That was when they were going to make the movie more like Goonies. Uh, so that was uh, kind of, man, I'm, I'm glad it turned out. Uh, to be what it was. But, um, like I said, uh, throughout the 90s, uh, Joel Shoemaker tried to get through, uh, throughout the 90s to get his vision for that sequel, The Lost Girls, off the ground. Um, because that movie was such a big hit. There, you know, there were talks. I mean, it had to be a sequel, right? But all the vampires were dead. Maybe. That's uh, maybe. So anyway, despite, like I said, despite the scripts uh, for the project cir circulating all through Hollywood, uh, I would never hold your breath for a sequel on this, especially 36 years later. But Hollywood is lately seems defunct of ideas, so would it surprise me? Probably not. Um, but anyway, we'll talk a little later about, uh, you know, were all the vampires dead? Maybe. All right, so I'll get into that later on in tonight's show so I don't spoil it here. Um, and again, keep in mind, this is October 25th. Let me just plant that bug. So if you hear this tonight, tune in over to Rumble. Whenever you're hearing it, just go look it up. You'll find it if you hear it late, a couple days late. It takes, uh, I think, a day or two before it shows up on the other uh, platforms. But you'll see us live tonight. So despite The Lost Girls never seeing the light of day, um, there was actually two sequels to The Lost Boys that were produced. Uh, these were, i got to be honest with you, they were not good. Um, I think they did one of them just to, Corey Haim was going through a rough time. Corey Feldman wanted to do something to reprise his role as Edgar Frog. And um, so they they did what they had to do. You know, so I guess they 
decided to capitalize off of it. So that was 2008, the Lost Boys, called The Tribe. And then 2010, they did another called The Lost Boys, The Thirst. Uh, both went direct to DVD, and both saw Feldman and, uh, as Edgar Frog. Um, but with the latter one, The Thirst, that actually had Jameson Newlander back as Alan Frog. I'll not spoil those movies, but I, I wasn't very <laughs> thrilled with them. Uh, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, they actually have 0% on the tomato meter. So you can tell what fans thought of that. Even though it was kind of cool to see Corey Haim in the end as a vampire. Um, but I guess the hardcore fans of this movie just sort of dismissed them and, you know, just easy money for the Feldmans because they probably needed it. Here's one of the most interesting. This is one of my favorite scenes from the movie. When the Frog Brothers and Corey Haim uh, initially went, who played the character Sam, went down into the caves to kill the vampires while they were sleeping. They killed little Marco, the smallest vampire first, which was the first one they got to. And if you notice when David, played by Kiefer Sutherland, came up and like grabbed uh, Sam's ankle and was trying to pull him back into the darkness, the sunlight hit his hand and it burned, so he pulled back. And then you see that one tear go down uh, his cheek classic scene. But let me tell you how that scene happened. It wasn't because Kiefer Sutherland's so good at crying on on, on purpose or um, whenever he's called on to do it. In this particular movie, those really fiery orange eyes that they had, they didn't have the benefit of like soft contact lenses today to do this or some CG or something like that. No, they had to use glass, old-fashioned, glass contact lenses. They were incredibly uncomfortable. And those lenses didn't allow for oxygen to get through. So it made it just kind of like it made his eyes burn. It's very uncomfortable when he's doing this. So the only upside to using those is during that scene when his hand catches fire and that tear comes down, that happened just as a natural body reflex, uh trying to deal with how dried out his eyes were. Made for a great shot. I can see I can I, I know how he feels. I have dry eye syndrome. And um, so when my eyes get really tired and dry, they'll water really bad and uh, may look like you're crying. But So later on tonight, we're going to talk about how cool Kiefer Sutherland was playing David, the vampire. But we're going to talk about how he almost wasn't David the vampire. Two things convinced him to, well, one thing in particular convinced him to take this role. But he also had to compete against none other than Ben Stiller. Yes, the guy that we think is so hilarious with all those movies in the 90s. Ben Stiller was up for the role of David. And uh, he didn't get it. Um, he lost out. So, yeah, that was that was kind of crazy, huh? Um, that we could like, I don't know how I would have handled. Like, I'm sure I would have loved the movie anyway, because Ben Stiller could have played it edgy. Who knows where his career would have went if he had done that movie. But I think that movie was one of the most perfectly cast movies of the entire decade, not just to mention the horror genre, you know, alone. I mean, it, but that that movie, in hindsight, I don't know if I could even see another character or another actor playing any of these characters. It would just sort of make it weird. In hindsight, but then, you know, if you're watching at the time, 
Um, yeah, who knows? But um, there was actually a really interesting secret behind the uh, one of the other favorite scenes is where the uh, roof gets pulled off the off the car in the parking lot of the uh, amusement park. And you have that scene where it's like you just see the camera going down, the girl screaming, the guy gets taken up in the air, her boyfriend who was being a jerk to the lost boys on the uh, boardwalk. Well, those point of view shots, um, they actually, you know, even this wasn't a low budget film, uh, they, you know, the production team was trying to sell some ideas that were pretty expensive to put into action. So really, if you wanted to see more of the vampires flying in the air, that was a more expensive type of production. But just using that point of view from the camera was something that they, uh, actually Schumacher borrowed from the movie Jaws, which allows the audience to use their imagination to fill in what's left off the screen, which, you know, in, in hindsight now, that's a pretty powerful scene um, that you don't see the vampires taking them up. You just know. Um and they saved some money doing it because otherwise it would have been wildly expensive. And let's not forget the soundtrack of this movie. This probably was one of the best soundtracks of, of the entire decade. Uh, or the soundtrack era as a whole. because They don't generally do these anymore. But Cry Little Sister. Um, actually it was on. It hit the Billboard charts again back in like 2018. Which was crazy. Um, love that song. Uh, it peaked at number 15 on Billboard 200 in the late 80s. But yeah, you hear that song Cry Little Sister and you, you can almost see this movie in your head. Um, it's been sampled and covered by, gosh, I don't know, dozens of artists. Marilyn Manson was one of them who covered it. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, it's really great, uh, great soundtrack. Um, I'm trying to think, so I can see some of the other songs, uh, or hear some of them in my head, but I can't really come up with the titles off the top. Um, but yeah, so thank you, Joel Schumacher, for reversing the original script into a darker, more PG-13 movie that we all know and love. Um, and I'm glad it was Schumacher who got this, because the executive producer who was originally slotted to direct The Lost Boys was Richard Donner. Now, Donner pulled out of directing this movie to go work on Lethal Weapon. Um, so, yeah, I guess once he left, before turning the movie over to Joel Schumacher, Donner and their screenwriters uh, had originally planned for a script based on the idea that Peter Pan was a vampire. Because, uh, keep in mind, you know, Peter Pan, they ripped off Peter Pan. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. Because the original film was meant to be more of a family-friendly one. And, um, you know, like I said, in line with the Goonies, because it was so big at the time. But had Donner stuck with this, we would not gotten the uh, film that we loved and deserved all these years later. That actually made a big impact. We'll talk a little bit tonight about what The Lost Boys inspired. Uh, other shows that came out later on. One of the most popular shows in the 90s, as a matter of fact. And uh, we'll talk about how that opening scene of The Lost Boys might have been sort of a bit of a foreshadowing, spoiler alert sort of thing, you know. Um, anyway, it's going to be a fun show tonight, so make sure you tune in. I'll be back soon. We're gonna, you know, it's not Halloween yet. 
And uh, I've been away for a little while. Life just gets in the way, guys. But let's have some fun. Things get a little lighter toward the end of the year work-wise. So let's talk some movies. Let's talk, uh, I think maybe we'll talk a little bit about Salem's Lot next time. Uh, and maybe, I don't know, we'll find something culture, in the culture to make fun of. My God, man, it's loaded with comedy ripe, ripe for all of us. And then I'm going to have to get back into my Gonzo Chronicles Barry Dick series. As soon as I finish this one book I'm working on, I'm hoping to wrap up the first draft uh, December 1st-ish. We'll see. Wish me luck. Hey, until next time, Gonzo Heads, thanks again for stopping by and listening to yours truly here on the Gonzo Chronicles. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button no matter where you listen to your podcast at. Check me out on YouTube because these podcasts, if you don't listen to them on your phone, they automatically go over to YouTube where you can hear the audio there. And go to uh, cyrusalderwood.substack.com and make sure you subscribe there. It's a free subscription unless you want to be nice enough to pay. It's like five bucks a month um, or 60 bucks a year if you want to do that. Or is it 50? 50 bucks a year. Uh, so you get a little bit of a discount because some of the things that I post on there I'll lock just for those who subscribe uh, that pay. But it's all fun stuff. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll see you on down the road.